Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I can hardly contain my enthusiasm today as I'm excited to be back on air. As you know, Spring Share was uh, last week, and boy, did we have fun. And God was amazing in the way he showed up and did incredible work through the lives of so many people who said, I want to be part of this. So I'm going to gush for a while because that's what I'm going to do because I can't help myself because it's just been a really, really remarkable week. And in Luke 9, it says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. But for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. I don't know. There's something that's so sacrificial in Faith Radio listeners. It's like you're going to pick up your cross daily and follow him, and that's going to come at a price, and that's going to come resulting in sacrifices, and that's going to make a big difference in the lives of so many people who are lost and broken and without hope. And as we continue to uh, expand our footprint here at Faith Radio and reach more people who are lost and, and disenfranchised and on the margins and struggling, it makes my heart so full. So I just want to say thank you a million times in a row. But if I did that, then we'd be, this would take a long time. But just understand your gift, your sacrifice, your love, your attention, your, uh, you're amazing. You're absolutely amazing. So um, that's, that's all for right now. But trust me, there'll be more. I do want to get the show started today. As always, I like to start my Mondays on a slightly lighter note. And then uh, the Monday afternoon mix will happen after that. And then Pastor Robert Morgan will be joining me in hour two. And he's going to talk about uh, his book, which is all on Romans 8.28. It's going to be a wonderful show. I'm excited to get things started. Patrick Albanese has been my friend and colleague for many years. He lives in the great state of Iowa in the prestigious city of West Des Moines. Patrick, welcome. Hey, thanks, Bill. It sounds like not only were the uh, listeners picking up the cross with one hand, they were picking up the phone with the other. <laughs> they were. It was an incredible, they had incredible a week. Yeah. Yeah. They... It, uh, it was, I know you were filling me in as it was going along, and uh, it just seemed surreal at times. Uh, and it was just, it, it was a delight to see in here, though. Because, you know, you're always hearing these negative messages about, oh, you know, faith in America, it's it's on the decline. And by the week you guys had uh, last week, I'd say quite the opposite is true. Yeah, Uh, people do more people. Yeah, yeah. people do not want faith radio to go away. They don't want Christian radio to go away. I don't blame them. Oh, we, you know, it's it's, you and I need it for Mondays. I know. What, What would you do if it went away? (laughs) <laughs> on Mondays, uh, the, 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 I'd probably have to stay late at work. So you see, this is <laughs> very gives you a reason to get out, huh? Yeah, it's time for me to do some service. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Well, let's but, start uh, with a feel-good story because there's so many troubling things going on in the news right now. And you sent me uh, something from a hospital in Brazil, of all places, that some 
creative nurse came up with a, a way to deal with patients during the, the COVID. And it's uh, really quite quite smart. Do yeah, share. it's you know, you've, you've got people that are in isolation. They're in intensive care. It could, it could be the last hours, days of their life, or it, it certainly is, you know, a, a tough time. And they cannot have visitors and they're just lacking human touch. And so one of the nurses came up with this idea to take some of those, um, you know, the surgeon's gloves and fill them with warm water, like tied the fingertips together so that it would completely <laughs> engulf your hand on uh-huh. both sides. Both sides. I sent you the picture. It's, it's sort of goofy looking. No, no, no. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And, and then the warmth in the gloves and the fact that it was fully encasing this person's hand on both sides uh, gave them a sense of actual human touch. And they appropriately named it the hand of God. Mm, Isn't that very sweet? I mean, I. I, I, I love that because they thought, well, you know, the, the only thing, you know, more, I think, warm than a human hand would be the hand of God. And so uh, what a what a not just a great name, but, you know, somebody saying I have to do something for these people. Yeah. It's, it's just it's bad. Yeah. So, so you got your first or second shot or is, do HIPAA uh, laws say I shouldn't ask you? Uh, the, yeah. <laughs> That's the rhino law, the hippos <laughs> and the rhinos. You keep them separate. Okay. Uh, I it? did the uh, – so I was signed up to get um, – I think it was Pfizer tomorrow, shot number one. And then where my wife works, they said, hey, if you'd like to come in and get the Johnson & Johnson one and done shot, mm. uh, you can make an appointment. And uh, I had to – I think I had to get it in by noon last Thursday. So at 11.59, I made the appointment. And I, I am not kidding. I said, oh, boy, I let's just do this. Uh, I don't need, you know, uh, it, 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 to, to give you a, a backstory uh, to my level of paranoia, and that's more for the listener and not for you because you understand. I know, I'm well aware of your paranoia. Trust me. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know that I, I, I fear, you know, catching on fire in an airplane and actually plunging into the sea so that I would then die by burning uh, an airplane accident, <laughs> drowning, and then a shark attack. You yeah. Know, just, yeah. It was like, take all my fears, wrap them up in one. That's me. Right. And so, of course, thanks to the Internet, you can find any opinion you want backed up by True. nothing True. other than here's what I think. And uh, so, of course, there are people saying, oh, I don't know. I, there's some people, their legs fell off when they took the Johnson and Johnson. And, you know, you don't even bother to check if it's true. So I, I, I've just had this fear in a way of this vaccine since I said, well, I've already had the I've already had covid. So I know I'm kind of OK for a while. And this is an extra layer of protection. But uh, so it, I was afraid to to pull the trigger to, mm. to be fair. I finally just did it. And I thought, well, I had that shingles vaccine a few weeks ago and that thing put me down <laughs> because <laughs> I actually, I went and I filed a police report that I was at, uh, it was an assault with a deadly weapon the way that the nurse hit me with that syringe. <laughs> <laughs> she was trying to go through my arm. It was, it was pretty rough. Yeah. And so this was uh, pretty mellow, and you know, I, my brother said, you know, massage it as much as you can afterwards, and you won't have any arm pain the next day. It'll be minimal, and that's been the case. I'm now at 25 hours in, and I had a small headache this morning that went away as soon nice. as I had a couple. Of so now they say 24 to 48 hours, so anything could happen. That's true. Uh, 
you know, uh, but okay. So to add to my level of paranoia, I, I have a few hours of feeling pretty good about this. And I open up social media this morning and somebody is out there with doctor by their name saying, uh, here's my prediction. The majority of people who get the vaccine will, uh, will not be here in the year 2025. I, I thought, well, this was the wrong thing to read. <laughs> You know, so again, I don't know you know, what that means, and it sounds like I don't want to talk about this. But anyway, no, it, it was just somebody being negative. Oh, it was yeah, just somebody who d- oh, didn't gotcha. believe in the vaccine, just being negative, and yeah. then that was their reasoning for it. And you think, well, you know, that's just your opinion, backed up by absolutely zero. But you're scaring people. Mm-hmm. And, and had I read that the day before the vaccine. It might have been enough to to push me. But like, I think I'll just delay this a little bit because, <laughs> you know, here I'm believing something from somebody I don't know. I don't know if they're really a doctor and they're just spouting an opinion. And that's the danger of, yeah. of, of social media. Yeah. You know? Let's talk about how fl- the flu has factored into this year because the flu cases are down not just a little. Uh, yeah, I guess if you were to do the math. You'd have to carry out quite a few decimal points, but uh, the 2019 um, to 2020 flu season was 38 million cases, and uh, the 2020-2021 flu season, 1,822. That, so that's unbelievable. So that is. Well, how do you that's account a for that? Well, the, I, I, my thought, again, not backed up by any A, intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not a doctor, but those numbers would not make any sense. You, I, I, I would have a hard time believing that just by wearing masks, washing our hands and singing happy birthday, that we could cut the cases of flu by 99.99 something percent. That, that seems lofty. It would make me wonder why we didn't do it sooner because the CDC prior to COVID said masks don't prevent viruses from doing what they're going to do. So the only thing I can think is, you know, every flu case is kind of reported as COVID. And maybe that's just the way that the when, you know, we're doing these tests, that's how it comes out. Uh, you, 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 You take a small sample from somebody and you multiplied, I think it's 35 or 40 times. Uh, it's like doubling it that many times to see, you know, what viruses are in there and you, you find COVID and maybe you don't look for flu anymore. Maybe just, you're only looking for COVID and that's all you find. Yeah. So there it is. Yeah. Because if we could have cut the flu by 99%, I would think people from the CDC would encourage mask wearing during flu season. And most of us would have thought not a bad idea. Uh, you know, I certainly think that uh, getting people on the hand-washing bandwagon was uh, certainly a positive thing that has come out of this, you know, terrible uh, a pandemic, but that maybe we just weren't as clean as we thought we were. Mm. You know, I don't know so much about the masks, if, if that helped as much, but I, I certainly think a lot of the, you know, being careful with, you know, washing your hands. Uh, and, and how about this one? Not going to work sick or going to school sick. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. That was because people did it all the time. It's, oh, it's just a flu bug. And there's only 100 people that work there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, we were a little relaxed when it came to that because I do remember seeing people that would say, how are you doing? They go, ah, not very good. I've got kind of a nasty cold and they're at work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, you know, when the lady in the cubicle next to you is sounding like James Earl Jones. Right. And you'd say, you know, that that sounds like a little (laughs) bit more than just a sniffle to to me. Yeah. (laughs) You know, can you just say this is CNN just once? (laughs) I'd like to to hear that live. uh, Right. Patrick, we stopped doing that, so that was good. Yeah. Let's take a little break, come back, chat some more. Patrick Albanese is my guest. He's my go-to Monday afternoon, get the week started. Let's take it a little light and easy, getting things going. Be right back. Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. I'm back with Patrick Albanese, my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa. Every time I hear that song, it's such a... It's such so many memories. Wizard of Oz. One critic said in reviewing the movie, that it lacked creativity. <laughs> I hope that guy realizes what a horrible critic he was. I hope he retired after it came, after it came out. Do you, you know that um, the Over the Rainbow didn't was almost didn't make the movie. Nope. Yep, was not. Uh, producers didn't like it. Got shoehorned in at the last minute. The director, I think they were on their third director at the time, insisted or he would walk away. Yeah, uh, but. The, but the producers thought, this is a terrible song. It's slow moving. And what is this? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, we're, we're, we're so often, we're wrong about things. <laughs> and it's not just that we don't admit them, but it's, it's kind of funny how wrong somebody can be about something. Mm-hmm. You know, Star Wars was supposed to be a flop. George Lucas was so convinced it was going to be a flop that when it was finished and for the opening, he took off on a vacation and he was on a beach, I think in Hawaii. Uh, when he gets the phone call, uh, you know, thinking that, well, here's the bad news. And they say, it's a hit. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you hear stories of Elvis. Elvis was told that he'd never make it in music. Michael Jordan was told he'd never make it as a professional basketball player. I mean, the list goes on and on. You can't listen to one one bad yeah. uh, piece of advice from somebody. You just have to kind you of would, go, well, that's your that's your take. You and I were both told we'd never make it as brain surgeons. <laughs> and we didn't. We didn't actually. That one turned out. To be, that, I think it was. I told. I told you that, and you told me. That. <laughs> yeah. you know, and during the break, Rosie made an interesting point because we were talking about this whole idea of people going to work when they didn't feel a hundred percent because they can't miss work, right? And that's all legitimate. Right. But now, since COVID, we've really reset the stage where working from home is now a definite way of working as well. So if you need to. Uh, take in a day where you work from home because you don't feel good. That's a legit, a legit way to do it. I think that's going to be be something that you know as we carry that on into the future, that will do more to prevent the spread of the flu and the cold in in the workplace and schools uh, than anything else we do. And uh, you know we've all had those people. I don't know if you and I have been this person that said, "Well, they can't do without me at work." So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to show up. Oh, I haven't even thought that once because I assume I used to, oh, 72 years into the ministry, they can do just fine without me. 
Continue to fly without me. The, the, many moons ago, uh, when I worked in the restaurant industry, uh, I kept very good records of how much I made in tips, and I would I would see the patterns, and I knew I, I could go into a shift on a Thursday night and say, well, last year on this night, here's how much I made in tips, here's how busy the restaurant was, and I could go back three, four years. Wow. So, and I would see the patterns, and so I knew when the slow times were, and that's when I would plan my vacations. But nobody else kept records like I did. Yeah, you're so, a little nuts, just so you know. Yeah, well, I had the inside knowledge. So of course, when I was going to take some time off, people say, well, I will take his shifts because boy, does he know how to, he makes a lot of money. That Thursday night shift, that thing <laughs> is, is a gold. Right? Mm -hmm. And I know that the Thursday coming up is some sort of combination of, you know, golden girls reunion tour. <laughs> <laughs> so of course I come back from my vacation a week later and they're like, we have no idea what happened. It was, it was terrible. I said, well, I, I, I don't like to brag but maybe I'm just that good. <laughs> I, I knew the patterns. And yeah. so uh, and it was maybe not the, you know, the most forthright thing to do, but you know, it was always hard to get people to cover your shifts. So if you offered them the really good ones that I happen to know, you know, it's like, well, that's going to be a slow week because stuff goes on that week. Uh, am I, am I in trouble for that one? No, Should I have you're, not done that? no, you're not at all. I think we both, you and I suffer from the Wally Pip syndrome also. And it, feel free to explain what that is. Oh God! Wait, 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 wait! Well, uh, first baseman uh, for the Yankees. Yes, um, he's not the guy that retired from the patent office because he said everything's been invented. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he uh, decided not to play first base one day, and uh, Lou Gehrig took over. That's and, right. Well, he never got his job back. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That's we're, that's why we, in the past most people are afraid to take a day off of work, not because they're so valuable, because they're afraid of if people finding out that they're not. Right. <laughs> that's right. always been my fear. What if they find out I'm I'm actually not that good? <laughs> that's, I you know, you here's a mistake. Uh, you you want to talk about a big mistake. You think that like Disney World, Disneyland doesn't make any mistakes. I a friend of mine, his father helped design the haunted mansion at Disneyland, and there's this effect where when you're going through in the tram car, you look down below at this uh, dining room table and then a whole bunch of ghosts come in and they're dancing around and it's it's an amazing illusion. It's a thing called Pepper's Ghost. It's done with a piece of glass and it's reflecting a duplicate set that's underneath you that has the ghost figures and they come in in a ghost-like form as they're reflected in the glass. And they built this thing and it worked beautifully. And it, early on, somebody came in with a BB gun because they were convinced that they knew how it worked and they shot at the piece of glass and they put a tiny little hole in it. And this kind of was spoiling the illusion a little bit. So the designers said, well, what, we got to you know, replace that piece of glass. And they said, well, we can't. Well, why not? Well, when we built the place, we put the roof on where you can't get the piece of glass out. <laughs> so said, Wait a minute. This is you know, a multi-million dollar exhibit and the illusion is ruined because somebody shot at it. And now we can't fix it. We have to rip the roof off to, to fix it. So somebody went and drew a spider web around the little Perfect. pebble hole to make it look like there was just a spider web hanging there. And they went with that for years until they had the time to take the roof off the place. But you go, here are these designers and nobody ever stopped to think, what if we have to replace this piece of glass that is the size of a barn? Mm-hmm. <laughs> nobody thought of it. Yeah. A lot of creativity around there, though. That was uh, the spider web is a good plan B. Yeah, I, you know what I think is probably 
I, I would guess that the person who came up with that was probably the janitor, you know, who, who cleans up all the time, says, just put a spider web on it. No <laughs> probably. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. So I just got a text uh, from uh, a listener that said MNRA. I don't know what that means. Do you? MNRA? It's, it's part of the, it's the type of vaccine that the COVID vaccines are. Okay. This. MNRA experimental shots are new technology not approved by FDA. Stop promoting unproven method. God gave us immune system. All right. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, so he, there was a, one scary thing that did happen. They handed me a card and said, there's your vaccination card and you're going to want to keep that because you'll probably need it. I thought, um, I don't know if I like the sounds of that. And that's what the nurse said. Mm. I said, well, this will be in my glove box where everything goes to die. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> your, your insurance card for your car, which has expired seven years ago, that's in there too, yeah, isn't it's, it? It's got my 1985 Honda on it. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. I'm still registered, you know. Yeah. You know. That's right. You and I had the same car. We did. We had the same, exact, we had the same Honda. Same color, same everything. Same. That's weird. Cause we we didn't know each other back then. No, but we both bought the same the same model year, same color, same trim level. Well, I think it only came in the one. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So do you do you have a uh, Scottish friend that you have a story about? Because you've been telling me about your Scottish friend, but I never get the story out of you. Yeah. Okay. So uh, you and I both have a, we have this mutual friend who is probably the cheapest person that we know. And yeah. he can agonize over the 25 cent slice of cheese that goes on a cheeseburger because yes. he knows that. Yes. And we slice both of cheese instantly know who we're talking about right now where we're not going to bring up his name. Yeah. But, uh, so I had this Scottish friend and she used to brag about how frugal the Scottish were, uh, and that, and, and, and she would prove it. And she used to, she actually had a subscription to a thing called the, the cheapskate newsletter. <laughs> Well, actually, I would, she probably, sh I think she shared the, the, the subscription with yeah. like three friends. In fact, <laughs> the, 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 the newsletter went out of business because they had something like a million readers and only six <laughs> subscribers. <laughs> that is cheapskate for sure. She was, it was, it was amazing, but she would often, you know, say she would hit me with the, the cheap deal of the day, how to get things, you know, for cheap and, you know, how to haggle. And, you know, it was, it was all legit stuff, but I, I just, I didn't have the heart to do it. Cause if I went into a business, I, I'm not a good haggler, mm -hmm. you know, you go, that's what the TV costs. That's what the TV costs. I, I you know, yeah. I think you've met some of those people that can be, they can, they can haggle about anything. Yeah. It's, it's what they do. And I, I admire it if they want to do it. And if it results in a something positive, I go, way to go. Yeah. I'm not a haggler I, I, though. I'm not a haggler. I, you know, I just think this is what things cost, right? Yeah. Uh, and I never liked it when people haggled with, with me. You know, if you were negotiating, say, the price for a magic show, and if somebody said, I can get somebody for half that, it's like, we, why didn't you hire them? I, don't, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you were talking to them, and they said the price was half of that. So apparently, you're not happy with their work. Or, yeah, yeah. I don't know what you're doing here, yeah. but I can't do that. Yeah. Uh, well, so. Patrick, thanks for getting Monday started. It was a great week last week. It's awfully nice to start off with a few smiles. I appreciate you. Ah, uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah. Patrick Albanese has been my guest. We'll take a little break when we come back. The Monday afternoon mix will begin with Pastor David Miles and Rosie and I. Be right back.
right, it is time for the Monday Afternoon Mix. Pastor David Miles is here with me and Rosie. We're going to talk about living life on purpose today. Pretty good topic, David. Yeah. Living life on purpose. Well, I think it's one of those things that, uh, you know, people often wonder about, you know, they'll ask themselves like, okay, like, why am I here? You know, um, what's my purpose in life? And, uh, you know, we've chatted about this before about how, yeah, Westminster Catechism says that the chief end of man is to glorify God Mm -hmm. by enjoying him forever. Um, The neat thing is that, uh, you know, God's not, you know, a toddler in a corner saying, like, I need all this attention and and those things. Um, God is holy and perfect and, you know, in of himself needs no thing. Uh, And what's amazing is that uh, we're created and that we can, even as imperfect fallen people who have been redeemed by Christ, bear and give glory to him. And the psalmist would talk about how the heavens declare the glory and wonder of God. And so um, God's made us purposefully, um, you know, we often say here that, you know, we're not moo and goo and you're not going to find your, your your cousin at the zoo type of thing, <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's, that's not it. And, um, you know, for, for our biology-minded individuals and, and science-minded individuals, you know, the the um you know i believe it was one of my biochemistry classes you know talking about the various things that needs to happen even in a biological reaction and like you know the scalability of it is just, it's it's such an incredible number and then yet for the very next thing to happen all those other things in the sequence has to happen and so like the you know the the mathematical and statistical improbability of us just coming by chance is is just so out there. Mm-hmm. So we've been made for a purpose by a purposeful God. That's love, a good. That's a good start. I love the intentionality of that. I do too. It's beautifully intentional. Yeah. There's no accidents, right? And your gifts are your gifts because He has an intention for them. It's beautiful. It is, and um, you know, I remember one time having a conversation with a friend of mine. Um, you know, he. My older brother, William, and then my dad um, have been the people who have been on, like, my, you know, prayer hit list or, you know, for lack of a better term, probably could change that, uh, but prayer list for years and, and uh, you know, for decades. And, you know, one neat thing, um, actually the last time my dad and I were together, uh, he was having some tests down at the VA in Fargo, North Dakota, and, and had an unplanned trip to come and preach and, and actually got to, you know, see him and got to talk and, but the Lord laid on my heart to just walk through the gospel with him, uh, and, you know, ask him, um, if he wanted to give his life to Christ. And after, you know, numerous times of a little bit of, um, you know, kickback over, you know, various things that he saw in church, hypocrisy, things with race, things like that, and just kind of, um, sometimes non-transformational, but that day, you guys, it was amazing um, just on how God opened his heart uh, to the gospel. Wow. And that was the last time we were together. A month later, he uh, went home to be mm. from a massive heart attack. So, wow. so encouragement to those who are driving and thinking about loved ones and thinking about friends and family, 
you know, and sometimes feeling like, you know, I'm praying and what's going to, you know, don't give up hope. Continue just to listen to the Lord. Take opportunities to, to love people um, and share the gospel. God loves your, your loved one more than, than you, even you do. Mm-hmm. So, David and Rosie in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Yeah, I think that kind of gives us a lot of intentionality right there. But it also takes the pressure off, right? So so often we're looking at a performance-driven society, and I have to do this to look like a good Christian, or, you know, I didn't read my Bible enough, or I haven't prayed enough. And truly, David, when you were talking, I think of all the prayers that you laid in the bowls of heaven for your father were answered in God's timing, in that perfect timing for his ears to be open, to listen, to so that you could be a witness. You know, there's so much if we believe in an intentional God that it really takes the pressure off us, that if we just show up, he's going to open those doors for us. Yeah, it's very rich, Rosie, and I I like what you say, um, you know, in that we have beautiful passages like 1 Thessalonians 5.24 that says, he who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. And then the very, very rich words of Colossians uh, chapter 4 verse 2, and it's really interesting on how Paul comes about praying and asking for prayer for the gospel. You know, he says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word Mm -hmm. to declare the mystery of Christ on which uh, I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. And then Paul kind of breaks that down a little bit more, and he says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious. Like, we could sit on that for the, the rest of our time and probably do a couple, you know, sequels. That's because that could be a series. Um, it could be a series. And so, but, you know, let your speech always be gracious Season with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer um, each person. Um, and it's interesting kind of going back to our conversation here about um, purpose. Um, because not everyone, you know, um, knows that, even knows that they, they have a purpose. Uh, one of the fun things in my role at New Hope Church is I get to be life group pastor and also leader development pastor. And there's a class I, that I enjoy doing called Live on Purpose. We just you know started up with that. It's it's a four week class looking at our purpose, God's design of you know our personality, um, you know our leadership style and spiritual gifts, um, reminding people that you know you're once an eternity creation. Mm-hmm. You know, so even some of these things that we look at, they fully can't you know, quantify and qualify who you are with the various parts of your journey of the highs, the lows, um, you know, the, the pains, the joys, the life experiences, uh, and the like. Um, it's been interesting sometimes to meet people in, in public and, you know, talk and listen and ask questions and, and hear their heart and things like that. And, and, and just kind of remind them and say, you know what, you know, you're once an eternity creation. God sent his only son to shed his eternal blood on a cross, 
die and live that he might have a relationship with you and have people pause and look and say, wow, I, I never thought of it like that. Like I, I've never thought of myself, you know, um, in that frame. And uh, that's very much, you know, our position, our, our belief as followers of Jesus Christ, you know, that people are made in the Imago Dei. And uh, being made in the Imago Dei, that we don't, as uh, 2 Corinthians 5 says, we don't regard people from a human point of view. Though Paul said we used to look at Jesus that way. But if anyone's in Christ, uh, he's a new creation. Behold, the old is gone and the new has come. David, if you would, um, this four-week course that you teach on uh, Live on Purpose, would you please condense that into 16 minutes? <laughs> Can I, like right now? Yeah. Um, you know, so the first, <laughs> the first part of it is, uh, you know, we look at kind of God's role. Um, and, you know, so the, the first week we'll look at God's role. Second week we look at uh, e-personality. A third week, we'll look at leadership style. Last week, we'll, we'll look at, um, you know, gifting. And so, you know, regarding God's role, we'll ask the question. The question that people ask is, why, why am I here? You know, and they're often looking for uh, wanting to understand, you know, what's my purpose and what's my direction. And one of the things that we, we are seeking to do in this class is to help people identify, value the dynamics of their personal makeup and understanding that each of us have a unique design uh, for the mission that God's called us to achieve. And then also just to help better equip and mobilize the body of Christ that's at New Hope Church. Um, you know, our goal is moving towards Jesus, taking others with us. And so part of that is understanding, you know, part of the mission that we're on. And the Great Commission is, you know, go therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son, and Holy Spirit commanding, teaching them. And one of the things, or excuse me, uh, make disciples um, of all disciples. Sorry, I am having my words just cross over today. That's okay. It's Monday. Um, but yeah, I had it right the first time. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, Jesus said, Lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. One thing that COVID's shown us is that um, we can do teaching um, like streaming and the like, but baptism is a proximal. So again, it speaks to the nature of relationships and even how God has um, been at work in bringing the neighborhoods and the nations to himself. And if we need a picture of what it looks like, then turn to Revelation and, you know, it's his book, it's his heaven, and he paints the picture of what that looks like. So, you know, Bill, part of that is, you know, understanding God's role. And one of the things is God, he desires for us to serve on his ministry team. You know, 1 Corinthians 12, 18 and 19 is like, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. And if they were all one part, where would the whole body, if everything was an eye or an ear or a nose? And God did this, um, by the manifestation of the Spirit, and he's done this according to his good will. One cool, very thing is that in 1 Corinthians 12, 25, uh, it, it, it says this, that they may be 
or excuse me, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And so that has, you know, this idea that we really do um, care for one another. And we've talked about empathy, you know, on this. And it's important to note that Jesus isn't just talking about the the immediacy of one's own family or, or tribe. Jesus actually, he addressed that in the Sermon on the Mount because he said, you know, you've, you've heard it that, you know, you should hate your enemies, you know, love those who are, who are like you because that's what some of the religious leaders were saying of that day. And Jesus is like, no, love your enemies, you know. So picture the person in your mind right now and whether they're on the left or the right, whether they are a Vikings or a Packers fan, you know, whether, you know, your choice words are for them as being uptight or you want to say, oh, you know, you're socialist or, or whether you want to say that you're a techie, you know, well, you're a job. I mean, whatever term that you want to put in and you're kind of like, well, you know what, I don't, I don't really want to like that person because they're my enemies. But scripture tells us in Ephesians that at one time we were enemies of a holy and perfect God. And, you know, it's not like God had to really dig up dirt on us. <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't. You know, yeah. th- that there, you know, there's, there, there's plenty of it there. And so, but having care for one another. And I think that's one of the things that, um, one of the things that we need to say, God, guard our hearts in this. Because when we begin to lose care, when we begin to lose empathy, when we begin to lose seeing the humanity um, of other people, um, the the effects are devastating. And we can always fill in blanks for the reasons why, you know. Um, I was sending out a, a text message. I, I, I get the, the privilege of coaching flag football and coaching my youngest son's team this year. Um, but was sending out a text message because we're canceling practice tonight. You know, well, we have the rain, but we also have the curfew due to the shooting that mm-hmm. happened in Brooklyn Center. You know, and you know, part of my morning this morning was, you know, on my way out the door having a conversation with two of my sons. One reminding him that he needs to be on time to not leave late and driving in, in speed. You know, because someone might not see this, you know, dashing, almost six-foot kid who is, you know, a 4-0 student and a team leader and led Friends to Christ and, and uh, you know, um, you know, just a, a scholar and an honor society person and, and just a really an incredible kid, which that was Jesus and his mom. Any, any messed up stuff with my kids, you can come look at me. But they might not see that person's humanity, you know, that they're they're one in Christ. So having that conversation with, with two of my sons, you know, to remind them that you're wonderfully and fearfully made in light of craziness, in light of a, a very long narrative of history uh, for a whole bunch of reasons of economics and and fear and a bunch of other things like that 
that, um, but to remind them, you know, of who they are in Christ. And I, and I've had to do that, you know, this week sat down with a delightful young man wrestling. And he just, he looked at me and said, PDM, I really have never had like trauma, trauma in my life, but I have a situation right now that I'm, I'm really wrestling with and, and, uh, reminded him and said, you know, there's no such thing as a, a minor surgery to the person having it. And so though you may not feel that you've ever had trauma, that's your trauma. It, mm-hmm. It's still what you're, what you're wrestling with, with the Lord right now. So, so, you know, Bill and Rosie, um, you know, God help us just to, to, to look at people the way that God looks at us. Amen. We're listening to the Monday Afternoon Mix with Pastor David Miles and Rosie and I. We're going to take a little break and be right back. we're amusing ourselves you know that's kind of fun all right (laughs) that is fun interesting text came in we discussed this a few weeks ago given the scripture passages below and i'm going to reference first john 4 19 to 21 what can or should the church be doing to address this among its own community members there are still race divisions among god's people this ought not to be and is unacceptable and those who are guilty of this are in disobedience according to scripture how do we bridge that gap in order to better understand and reach out to others who are of a different race to cultivate love and fellowship with one another? We are called to love God and our neighbor as ourselves. Pastor David Miles. Yeah, I mean, one of the, one of the big things is, is actually, you know, starting with God's word. I mean, like the person noted a, a fairly powerful passage i mean like first john 4 19 to 21 yeah and i mean and again it's not my bible you know this is this is god's word and 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 one of the things that's big about us as evangelicals as christians is we believe the word of god and it's inspired and the thing that john is saying he's like you know if we're saying that we love god whom we haven't seen but we hate and we've talked about this before the word misio actually it means like hate but it also can mean disdain you know, and sliding. And, and what John is saying there is like, you're a liar. The truth's not in you. And it, and it is. It's kind of this incongruency. Like, wait a minute. I see this brother. I hate him. But I haven't seen God and I love him. Um, and so that's a miss. And, and it's not a minor issue because earlier in First John 3.15, it says those who hate are murderers. And I tell you the truth, John says, a murderer has no inheritance in eternal life. So it's not a small, minor issue. Um, one of the things um, is that, you know, I, I like to note something that Jamar Tisby noted in his book, The Color of Compromise. 
on this subject, and it's it's the issue of what's called ARC, the ARC of Racial Justice, Awareness, Relationship, Commitment. You know, awareness, like often being aware of what's going on, like a number of things with Holocaust and stuff, we know that story. But, you know, regarding our own story as a country, I mean, for most people, like what I grew up knowing was like, all right, you have uh, Sojourner Truth or Frederick Douglass, and then you have the Civil War, you know, maybe Webb DeBoss, and then like Martin Luther King Jr., he got shot, Barack Obama, you know. I'd already graduated. And so the awareness of that is such a limited thing. You know, uh, at another time we can talk about this, but many of the things that we're even seeing today and conversations that we're even having around, say, George Floyd, there's actually a very well tied into understanding to our, our very near past. We're not even saying way far back that helps understand even some of the questioning that's being asked and the framing of things, that there's a reason. But awareness is a, is a big part because, like, if you don't have relationships with people, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's easy to kind of slide into making a caricature of someone in their mind. The comedian D.L. Hughley said that the most dangerous place for, for black Americans is in the, in the imagination of white Americans. Because they, you can have this idea of what, what you think someone is. Author um, Trillia Newberry, um, who's a Christian writer and speaker, noted speaking at a conference on these issues. And afterwards, a man walked up to her as she was talking about the Imago Dei and, and said to her, I disagree with you. And she's like, really, why? She goes, well, first of all, you know, you're a different kind. You, you know, you're a different species. And she was surprised that it was a Southern Baptist pastor arguing to her how she wasn't a part of the Imago Day. You know, so awareness That's helps. so odd. I don't even know what to make of that. Yeah. So awareness is one part. Relationship. Having relationship with people. Like, it was hard for me when I was in Ohio to believe a certain negative pejorative thing about, you know, Latino people that was being said when my relationship with um, other people was so pronounced in some of the most godly people. The last thing is commitment. You know, it's it's actually said that America doesn't have a how-to issue. It has a want-to issue, you know. And, and that can happen with, well, just go like, remember earlier this year, last year I lost a whole bunch of weight. Like, I knew how to do some of that. But, man, you know, ice cream and cheesecake, the how-to part becomes differ, difficult. But really, guys, what I just described in this, or Tisby in his book, Color of Compromise, which looks at the church, looks at even, sadly, our history of complicity in racism, slavery, exploitation, and a number of different things, um, is really, we're, we're discussing the gospel. First of all, awareness of sin. Well, it's not just enough to have the awareness of sin. It's a realization that God sent his son into the world to be a sacrifice and have a relationship. But it's not just an understanding of a relationship about Jesus. It's a relationship with Jesus. But how does that happen? It happens through making a commitment to him. I would say an important piece on this is actually having the conversation. Um, because so often we we want to kind of slide by and not discuss, um, you know, these various, various things. So Derald Wing Sue in his book, Race Talk, which um, our leadership, we just had a cultural competency professional training thing here at Northwestern. 
he had noted, for people of color, race talk is difficult because they're placed in the unenviable position of A, determining how to talk about the elephant in the room when whites avoid acknowledging it. B, dealing with the denial, defensiveness, and anxiety emanating from their counterparts. C, managing intense anger at the continual denial. And D, needing to constantly ascertain how much to open up, give the power differential, power dynamics that often exist between majority and minority groups. So even you, Bill, asking me about this conversation, it's it, it's kind of like, okay, well, how much do you share? You know, and it's 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 like, you know, where do you, where do you where do you go to help people lovingly come on the journey, but also, you know, be truthful about things. And so for my students this, this past semester, um, one of the things that was an interesting journey is understanding, like in James Whitfield's book, Hitler's uh, American Model, that the Nuremberg Blood Laws of 1934 on June 5th its basis is in American jurisprudence, not just kind of smallly tied, deeply tied. Mm. And I think as we learn our history, then it helps us to see God's image bearers. It opens up our hearts and we're able to step into this with the gospel because we can. David, thank you. Always nice to have the Monday afternoon mix. Pastor David Miles. Thanks, Bill. From New Hope Church and also the University of Northwestern. We'll be right back with Robert Morgan. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.